inspiring to hear from Supermum and teacher Kathy Garcia. She tells us about her 27 years at Loretta Convent and also talks to us about uh, her daughter Safi. So, hi, I'm here with Kathy Garcia. Um, it's really wonderful to see your beautiful house. <laughs> I've come on my bicycle with all my gear and I, I really wanted to talk to Kathy because apart from the fact that we're great friends and we go back a very long way, Kathy um, is a super mum. Kathy, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you is because you've got it all going on. Um, I'm just going to mention a few things. You're a daughter, you're a mother, you're a sister, you're a wife, you're a teacher. You're a founder of the Saffron Rose for Rett's Charitable Trust, a mother of three, and you work full time. Yep. How do you, how do you do, tell me a little bit, how do you, how do you juggle it all? I think it all just creeps up on you and you just get on with it. So, you know, when we founded the, the charity, I mean, lots of people have more than one kid. So, yeah. you know, you have kids and whatever. Um, when we founded the charity, Safi was little, I hadn't had Paulie yet. So, that, you know, life just keeps going, adding, giving, giving. And you just and, keep um, going. And you just keep going and it just becomes a part of, of who, who you are. are. So I wanted to start the beginning. This is a little bit of a chat about you. It's a bit like this is your life, but in a, in a, in a very tranquilo, very chilled way. Um, you grew up with a brother and a sister yep. in, a, in, a, in a lovely family. Yeah. What, what are your best memories of childhood? I think probably the time that we grew up, which was like the 70s and the 80s, and the fact that both my parents worked and we lived up Mount Road and it was just, you know, there were kids everywhere. We grew up on the road, you know, my brother was five years old. I was always looking after us. I mean, I'm not saying that my parents sort of left us. Abandoned. They you. kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been, I, rem I mean, I remember. But it was just great fun. And then, you know, in the summers we'd go to Rosie's Swimming Club or to the Yacht Club and we were just always alone. And, you know, just surrounded by lots of other children. And we just had a great, Gibraltar was a lot safer. That's right, because the border was shut. Yeah, the border was shut. Yeah. And it was just idyllic, I think. I think about it now, you know. And we're so scared of everything. We're so scared of seeing kids climb trees. You know, we fell out of trees. We broke our arms riding down steep hills, yeah. you know, with no brakes. So yeah, we didn't have the internet in those days. Nothing. So life was nothing. just... Nothing. We had Moroccan TV and yeah. Clive Mendes who used to come out <laughs> and say, good evening. Good evening. At seven o'clock. And we'd go, yeah. good evening, because it was so exciting, you know, that the TV came out. I mean, I was around when the first TVs came out. I know. That's I know. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just shows that we are very well matured. And Coca-Cola in glass and, bottles. That's right. And so many other things. And I remember actually going to your... I was an only child, or still yeah. am an only child... And I used to love being invited to your house for tea in Mount Road because apart from the fact that I used to love all the eats, um, it was just a house full of kids, like you say. Yeah. For me, going to like your house or the Riso house, which no, is the other my house, mom, I full think of kids always. That's something that, that my mom always encouraged. Like, you know, my brother would have his friends around, Vicky would have hers. Our friends were normally the same set of friends. So there's yeah. only a year between us. And it would just be the more the merrier. And there were just always people in my house, always. And I think I've grown up like that. And so my house is very open as well. Even now? Even now, there's always yeah. people popping in. Well, I've noticed always. that since I've arrived. <laughs> we've had all, everybody dropping in nieces, nieces and the yeah. dogs and yeah. everything goes. Yeah. So um, after school, we went to Loretta Convent. We were in school together. Yeah. I have very happy memories. Yeah. Memories which, which you carry on because you're a teacher there. Yeah, I how, know. How... I mean, it has changed, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I love telling stories to the kids now. Um, the classroom I'm in, I say to them, you know, I was in year six here with Sister Lawrence. Sister Lawrence. 
And she, she dropped really a sack of potatoes. She did. And we all laughed. We did. And we had to write an apology letter. And, you know, she used to Oof, she whack was... us on the back. And, and they love it. They love the stories, you know, because the history's there yeah. in the stories. In... Yeah, is it's a bit surreal, like teaching in a school where, that you grew up in. Well, not anymore because... Because it was at the beginning because I taught in the UK for a year. Okay. Where did you study? I studied in US, UCL and then I went to the Institute of Education in London. Okay. Did my PGC. And then you taught, you taught there for a bit. I taught in London. I taught in Haverstock School for a year. Yeah. Um, but I taught from O-level, you know, from year seven upwards. Um, so I wasn't okay, used like to the younger ones. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. And then I came back because there was a vacancy. I didn't think I'd get it, but I did want to come home. Yes. Um, and I started teaching at five. So I had these nine-year-olds. And funnily enough, of all the kids I've taught, at least six of them are now teachers in Loretto. Really? Yes, really. Amazing. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Old. Old. <laughs> That's, that's no, just but, quite a But it's nice, I mean, though, because quite... now they're in their 30s. Yeah. Because think about it. When I came back, I was, what, 24, 25? So I've been teaching a year there, so I was only 15 years older than them. Yes. So it wasn't really, it's more so like it's friends. Not that bad. Yeah, exactly. And um, how, how long have you been at Loretto now? 27 years. Amazing. Yeah, but it just flies, and mm. it's just such a lovely... Lovely school. School. I mean, it you is. Know, I mean, my kids, my, I was there, then my kids have been through um, Loretto. They both had you as a teacher. They both speak so highly of you still. So you're obviously doing something very right. I mean, I think you've been a bit of a mentor to a lot of children. Um, uh, certainly with Beanie always says, oh, I, you know, she has these incredibly fond memories of school and the things you used to say and do. Um, even Mikey, too. He told me the other day, because when I told him we were going to have this chat, he said, Miss Garcia used to love putting her hands down my neck. Because I her still hands do it. Were I always still cold. do it. <laughs> her hands were always cold and I was always warm. Mike is like a giant teddy bear. I do. And she used to put, and she and I'm the only one she used to do it in my yeah, class. Put in yeah, my... you've got to get a warm boy. Yes. <laughs> He's definitely that. And you stick your hand down the back of their neck. Yes, nice and warm. And it just warms up your hands yes. and it's lovely. I mean, they suffer for a little bit. But it's all good. You cool them down and you warm yourself, yourself up. up. So yeah. what other anecdotes can you tell me about life at Loretto? Oh, good ones, good gosh, ones. Good ones, good ones. Well, Now, after 27 years. After 20, I, I couldn't. I couldn't even begin. We need to write a book. We need well, to write should. a book. Yeah. Lots of people write. I know, but you know what's happening? All the older ones who need to write a book are losing their memory. Uh, like, I can't remember half the things. things. So far. I mean, the school trips have been amazing because that's when you see the kids... As they yes. really are. Yeah. And they see you in a different light because you're not, you know, you're not just standing there teaching them something, or whatever. You know, you become mum, you become companion, you become everything for seven days. And I just think it's such a great shame with COVID that we've we've lost that. Hmm. You know, and and it was so great for them to cope on their own without their parents, to be with teachers, to see teachers having a drink in the evenings yes, and laughing and, and just being a and normal they, person, you yes. know. And those, and some of the stories from those trips are just hilarious. The, the PGL know? ones, especially. The PGL ones, yeah. So, um, school, school, and then you married, and then you started having kids. How do yeah. you, I mean, I work, but now obviously my kids are old, I'm working more, but I, how do you juggle well, I think, family life with yeah, three obviously children? Being a teacher, um, you get the summer holidays and the yeah, Easter holidays. So, so you're always off with your kids. Yes. So it's not, but when you're, when they're ill, that is an issue, you know, yeah. especially with Safi, that's like finding childcare, somebody to sit with your child so you can be at school and, and yes. school, you know, not that any other job isn't like that, but it is very personal to, it's your class, you know, 
I don't particularly mm. like having anybody else in my class, to be honest. I get a bit jealous if someone's got to co cover me. Oh. And, yeah, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> you like... So you, so you don't miss much yeah. school? No, you... and I just had COVID two weeks ago. Gosh, did you really? And I had I to know. be off for two weeks. Oh my and gosh, honestly, how did you handle that? And me. Well, well they... luckily enough, the first week I was feeling so rough that... Um, you couldn't move anyway. Yeah. Mm. And then the second week I was sort of like itching. And by the time they let me out, I was out the door at eight o'clock in the morning in there. But um, but we're really lucky because we cover ourselves because we're private school. We cover ourselves in our freeze and our so, so that's good. And everybody there feels like a family. You know, we've we know each other. Like mm. I can step into any other class and just pick up from wherever they've left off. And likewise, so it's very, it's very comfortable. It's very loving. Yes. it's just it's just got an amazing it, vibe to it. And it still you know, has from I the mean, top it, to the bottom. It had it from when we were there. And it still has it now because I still... I know, um, and we had, we had nuns screaming at us, and they, but there was still that... But you know, we always screaming. say, Sally and I have always said um, to the kids when they leave, once a Loretta child, always, always. a Loretta child. And there yeah. is, there's just something about the school that yeah, very feels special. like coming home. Yeah. And how did you handle COVID while, you know, COVID was on at Loretta? You, you were giving lessons online? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how I did mean, that work? Um, were you going to the school? No, I didn't go to the school because of Safi. So the right. first lockdown we were here, um, I gave a few lessons a week, but we had to upload our work every week and you had to be available. I then had to monitor Paulie on his lessons and get him to do the work. So Gosh. that was hard. India was fine. She was in her bedroom, mm. fine. And Safi was just, you know, milling around, yes. watching TV. Um, but the second lockdown, we were online from nine till three, three o'clock in the afternoon. Oof. And it was great, though. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. I loved mm. talking to the kids. I loved being with them. I loved teaching online in the sense that at least we were able to in teach. contact. Yes. And, you know, and with them. And it was lovely. And the kids loved it. I, th I think they loved it, you know, just yeah. seeing a teacher every day. And, you know, one of the parents even said to me, my gosh, you were even controlling her from behind a screen. So I was like, <laughs> yes. put that down. Sit up. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't lie on your bed. Because yeah, no, no, no. your, your way of teaching is quite unique. I love your face. I wish you could see it. I know, but you can't. So aren't but, I the lucky but, one? <laughs> that, that's why everybody remembers you. No, everybody I mean, I can be familiar, way. but, you know, I do things like I but chuck But you're strict, but you're strict. But you do it with I'm love. I'm strict, but with love. Yes. And I've always tried to, to get them to see that, you know, I can be very cross. I can lose it, but it'll be for your behavior at that moment. And after that, it's over. It's finished, you know? Yeah, which is good. Which is good. That's the way it should be. And I enjoy them. So I laugh a lot with them. Um, I love life. I love age, learning. What age are they? Um, now they're no, year 10. Six, so now they're, they're 10, 10, 11. But I used to be, I was a year seven teacher for many, That's many, right. many years until they've just gone over now no, to secondary. Now it's all changed. Yeah, so they're a little bit younger now. So I wanted to, you mentioned Safi. So we, we all know um, about your charity. And um, what was it like when you first had Safi? Did you realise that, that there was something wrong with her? No, I tell you what, I didn't. Um, at all. Um, she was a very placid baby. It was when she was like six months old that she wouldn't sit up. Yeah. But my father-in-law, Dr. Peter Borge, he's a doctor. Yeah. And when she was about five months and we were out in a restaurant, she was sitting in my arms and he, he noticed, he noticed something. something and he said it could be autism or there was something. And I remember being really cross thinking, you know, to be ridiculous. Yeah. But it just as goes you, to show, you, do, you, you know, do. and then she was like, you know, it was like, oh, she's got floppy baby. She's got low muscle tone. She's double jointed, all of this. So she didn't walk till she was two, mm. but she did talk 
She did talk. Um, she then needed grommets. So they were like, oh, her pronunciation's not perfect. When she was three, she drowned in my sister's swimming pool. Oh my gosh, Kathy. And I found her. Gosh. And I had to resuscitate, resuscitate her. her. Wow. And, and we were really lucky because she, she was gone for a how, while how, and she oh, was she, gone. She just fell in the pool. She just, uh, she was, there was a terrace to open. I didn't realise it was open. It was yeah, India's birthday. We yeah, were baking a yeah. cake at my sister's. When I went to look for her, she was already floating. Um, anyway, so we ended up in La Linea Hospital for a week and they did all these tests and this neurologist, mm. when she was well, mm. she started walking around and she's always had a very wide gait. Yeah. And she started walking around and talking as she would talk. And he said, um, because they told me they'd done a scan or whatever, and they said that she, she wasn't damaged. Yes. By the drowning, by the... That, because she'd had pneumonia, apparently, and so her lungs had filled up very quickly and whatever. So they said there was no, as far as they could see, no damage at all. Gada, when we saw her walking around and, and talking and that, my you mom thought, and I were like, oh, my God, God thank right. goodness. you know. Yeah. And then... This neurologist looked at her and he said, he said, esto no es normal. And my mother said to him, si, si, ella anda si, ella habla si, like saying, you know, this it's is completely normal, normal. And he said, pero esto no es normal. And I remember thinking, Oof. Oh. then I went to a party of a friend of ours, uh, Alexia, Vanessa's daughter. Yes. And I watched her with all the children. So I drove home crying. I had Pauli by then. I drove home, she was nearly four. I drove home crying Thinking and I said something. to Paul, we've got to do something. Um, and we had been told, so anyway, we started looking at it and we'd been told that she had gross global developmental delay, which ultimately means nothing. It's mm. like, there's something wrong. We don't know what it is. You have mm. to accept it. She goes to St. Martin's and whatever. And I didn't want that. So Loretta kept her on as long as they could, basically. Yeah. But anyway, we, we went to Great Ormond Street and they were amazing. I mean, we went yeah. four times. Incredible. And the first time we went, they, they they literally said to us, this is a syndrome. We don't know what it is, but we'll yeah. find it. And it took two years. Incredible. It and took two years. She was nearly five. She was diagnosed on the 15th of May yeah. and she was four. And they phoned us. It took uh, six months. And just by doing tests on her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By... Well, no, we, we saw lots of doctors. They didn't yeah. know what it was. MRIs, this, that, the other. Um, still, you know, developmental. We, yeah, we kept going back. Well, it's actually regression. Reverse. Reverse ret is basically because they reverse. But um, okay. Andy Stevenson, he made this charity saying reverse ret, as in like find a cure and reverse it, reverse yeah. the the, the symptoms. symptoms. But anyway, we then she she started rocking, and she started eating her hands, yeah. and she used to play with dolls and pat them and push them around, and she just stopped playing with toys. So we went back to Great Ormond Street with a whole truckload of appointments. And when we went to see the geneticist, we said, you know, she's just not playing with toys anymore. She stopped talking. She only says things like, I want, I want. Mm. She's not saying. So she was saying less and less. Her talking was. Yeah. And eating her hands all the time. Yeah. So he then said, look, it's a long shot. Please don't Google it. But it could be Rett syndrome. Mm. Um, he said, please don't Google it. There's a test for it. So you went it. straight to Google it. So we went straight course, to Google it. As you do it not, but I think that's spot just... on. Really? As in like I knew then, but you still hope it isn't because, you know, you read things, they die young and all of this. So you hope it isn't. But I just knew then. And we had the test in, I think it was October. And by March, we got the phone call saying it's a mutation of the X chromosome. 
So the MECP2 gene, and they called us and they said yes. And then since then, we've been over to the UK to the RETS clinics. We've um, and how did that go down when you when you how did you deal with it? At least you knew what it was. You'd you'd you you could, yeah. You well, could, we you contacted could, the GHA. Obviously, you had something to and then work on. No, I know. You know, they or... basically said that. You know, obviously, it, at the time when she was diagnosed, it was like one in fifteen to twenty thousand. Yeah. Now I think what's happened is because they started that they realized what Rett syndrome was in 1974. So I th don't think people have been tested for it. They um, just look handicapped, you know, that word mm, that mm, which is it's just like, you know, mm. but then it's what it is is a reversal. They lose their speech. By the mm. age of two, they start going back. They lose their speech. They stop walking, some of them. I mean, Safi's still walking. She's walking yeah. They lose the use of their hands because mm. now she hand rings all the time. So her fingers are all... But she um, doesn't eat her fingers anymore. Yes, she does. Oh, she does. Yeah, we, we, she wears splints. But she rings but her hands all the time. gorgeous and loving. <laughs> Amazing. And honestly, and, you know, I obviously I've cried a lot yeah. at the injustice of it all, but more, more because she's not having the life that I wanted her to have. She didn't choose to come into this world. I chose to have her. And she's not going to have that life. When yeah. I see the other two, she's not going to get married yeah. She's not going to, I don't know, yeah. she's just not going to have the life that... You you, you want to... I don't even her. know why I said married. I wouldn't want her to get married. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, do you know but what I mean? Yes, because that is what, like, you the, know? the fairy tale thing that you think of for your children, yeah. not because you want them to marry. And, then, and it's other people's but, reactions but, as well, because she is disabled. Yes, yes. People don't, you know, she shouts a lot because she can't speak. I mean, you've heard her. Yes. She goes, she could be happy, she could be sad, she could be downright angry and, you know, yeah. swipe you, whatever. So people are wary around her. But really, she's just a little girl who just wants to be cuddled. And she's got a, so, a, you know, a character that I'm sure... Oh, gosh, she would be such a minx. She would <laughs> I wonder be who such she takes after. Hi, it's Hexal Garda from Fitness TMB. We work with men and women over 40 to get fit, lose fat get energized and develop a powerful mindset. You can accomplish this by implementing significant changes in your habits and routines, such as optimizing nutrition and mastering your sleep. I have created for the over 40s the RRE method, recondition, recharge and energize. It's a 13-week program that will enable you to find gratification in your fitness journey, as well as positively shifting your mindset and well-being. You can get in touch at heck at fitnesstmb.com or visit fitnesstmb.com. The incredible story of uh, Kathy Garcia and her family and uh, how she started the Saffron Rose for its charitable trust is coming up next. She talks to us about that and also about living with her disabled daughter, Safi. So, Kathy, um, because of um, Safi, you decided to set up the Saffron Rose for its charitable trust. Is that right? Why, why yeah. did that come about? Um, well, why I don't want you... to sound ungrateful, but we, we obviously we put her in St. Martin's and... Yeah. And, you know, I tell you what, if Safi has been anything for us, it's been just such an education in, in life and and in, in it's humbling. It's humbling yeah. because she's always happy. Well, no, she's not. That's a lie. She's, but, but, you she's know, mostly, she's a happy child. Yeah. She gives us so much. We've learned so much through her, you know. Yeah. And yet, you know, I remember being told, well, she has to go to St. Martin's and me saying over my dead body, going into St. Martin's the, and saying to my husband, she can't come here. 
they're all disabled. And he said, look at your daughter. Because when they're yours, you don't see, you it, don't like see it like that. Since then, going into St. Martin's is like walking into a piece of heaven with angels walking around. They're amazing. It's been the most humbling experience of my life. Every Christmas play they did, I would be bawling my eyes out and then going, thank you, thank you so much, thank you, thank you. Because they would have an assistant for every single child. child. So somebody would come out holding your daughter with, it's just, you know, sports days. Every child has someone with them, you know? And then I would realize on those sports days just how disabled she was. That half the people there can do 50 million things more than her. Yeah. But it's amazing but still, how, They can you have know, a sports day. They can have yes. a play. Yeah, they yeah, They can yeah. do the things that yeah, other yeah, children yeah. do. Yeah. And, and she loves it. That you can, she, and loves she loves it. it. But the, the charity, sorry, and, is that, we, you know, we were told, um, I sort of, you, you never know in Jib where to go. So it was like, well, she goes here for physio, she goes there. Now it's, it's changing. But it was very much like, find your feet. You have a disabled child, she goes to St. Martin's, find your feet. Where does she go for this? Where do I go for this? Where do I go for splints? You know, it was all, and she, she didn't sleep for many, many years. So we didn't sleep for many years. And someone said to me, try a weighted blanket. And um, I asked somebody about it and they said, well, why don't you ask one of the local charities? Anyway, we found out the price. They weren't cheap, but they weren't, you know, we could afford it. And I suddenly said to Paul, you know, there's so many things on these websites that people probably need, but don't have the money to, to get. Yes. And I want to provide for that. Anyway, yes. and so Paul said, yeah, we should set up a charity. My sister got involved. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then we found out about the Toby Eye Gaze, which for us well, was going to be... That's what I remember about the charity. I remember the Toby Eye Gaze yeah, was 7,000 pounds each. No, 15. They oh. were big and they were 15,000 pounds. So anyway, so we bought a few. We raised money. People are amazing in yeah. Jib. I mean, from the start, eh, we'd, we'd do an event, thousands. It was just people just give, you know. Um, and we bought quite a few and then we bought Safis. Yes, for her. For her. Well, which I, was what? Which was, which was like a life-changing thing. Well... In theory, the minx doesn't like it oh. because apparently it's very tiring. I have tried it. Eh? We've tried it. I have tried it. And you have to look, so at, things and, you look so at things. So I don't know. I mean, as well, when I've looked into Rets, because I've read a lot, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And I'm also part of a group on Facebook of Rets mothers and stuff. And they are impaired intellectually. They are. I mean, you know, if I let mm. Safi go, she will walk into a car. Mm. You know, it's not... So we, I don't know what she can. I know she understands me. Yes. Um, I remember once with a Toby, she put daddy home, daddy home. And then he arrived. So she obviously heard the car or whatever. And then my sister once said, oh, I want to see her do it. I want to see her do it. And all she did was stop, 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 stop. So she didn't want. So there's obviously. Yeah. But then apparently at school, she was... would not look at the screen. And obviously it doesn't work if you don't look at the screen. So now we've got like a whole lot of pictures and it's like a touch thing. So she touches them. Mm. Or looks at them. So, so do you, you know, know what's going on in her head? Can you can you make out what she's no, thinking? No, now? and this was my dream that the Toby. Yeah. But I mean, look, it works for autistic children who who have no speech. So, so other children anybody have who's nonverbal, yeah, or you know, have benefited from it. So, anybody can use it. Yeah, you know, it it it's not just for rats at all. But I really thought that was going to be the key to her. But that was the head. key to setting up the charity. That was the key to setting up the charity. Yeah, yeah, and we and that's the, we that's donate the to Reverse Rat in the UK. So right. they're the ones who are um, funding the clinical trials. So, Kathy, they say everything happens for a reason. Maybe there is a reason to all this. And 
um, like you were saying before, it's opened your eyes. Being the mother of a disabled child has really opened your eyes and given you so much joy in other ways. Oh, completely. And I and I think also for my children um, and for my family, as in my nieces, my nephews, everybody who, you know, she's been a gift. It's been yeah. a gift. As I said, I feel bad for her, but we give her so much love. She gets so much love. But the love we get back from her and just the way she suffers and with such grace is a lesson to all of us, every single one of us. Her smile is just unreal. She just gives everyone so much joy. And I don't know what it is about her, but everyone loves her. Like, yeah passionately she's just very you know, special she is she's very special and i actually think she's an angel here for us you know um for whatever reason but we have you know yes it makes you aware of other things it makes you treat people differently yeah because you become more patient more understanding how is she with her brother and her sister oh they adore her and she adores them and she's really funny actually if i tell paulie off Whatever, she, no, she starts laughing and he uh, gets really annoyed with her because he was born after her. So he's always thought of Safi as she's Safi, you know, so he will get annoyed with her. He'll say, stop laughing at me, you know, and I go, do be serious. She can't help. Of course she can. You know, she's there giggling away because he's being told off. How funny. So she knows. So she understands. Things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she always goes looking for India. She just she thinks India's amazing. She loves her. She loves Zoe. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's really humbling for me as a as an outsider, really, um, really humbling to hear your story, Kathy. I hope lots of people listen to this because it's just wonderful. And you you you're full of, you know, you're smiling here. You're full of love, and it's just really special. Thank you. Oh, now I'm <laughs> going to ask you something diff completely different, changing the subject completely. It's something I've asked all my guests, and so I want to ask you: If you had a song or a tune that has carried has been with you throughout your life or throughout like an important part of your life, um, what would it be? Like a song or a tune or something that you really love that... Oh, now Adele is oh, in the... the headlines. And no, my song is Bob Dylan, Feel My Love. But it has to be <laughs> Bob Dylan. No other... No, Bob Dylan singing Feel My Love. I've already told Jess to play it at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan, I'm going to have Bob to listen Dylan, to it now. When the evening shadows oh. and the nights mm. go down. I'm going to listen to it when I get oh, home. Oh, you've got to listen to his version. I love yeah, Bob but Dylan. I have so many songs. I have so many songs that I love, but Bob Dylan, Feel is My your Love, favorite. is one of my favourites. Okay, and the very last question, I want you to describe me in three words. <laughs> Bubbly. Yeah. Vivacious. Mm. Fabulous. Oh, thank you very much. It's been hugely humbling for me to be here with you and to listen to what you've said. And I wish you all the very best. Always. Thank you. My gorgeous wish. friend. Mwah. You've been listening to On the Sofa with Rouge, a series of talks where I talk to friends and family about all the interesting things they've been getting up to. A massive shout out to Charlie Hurst, my sound engineer, who's done an incredible job of putting this podcast together. His website is soundunit.co.uk should you want to get in touch with him. And also a massive shout out to Beatrice Garcia, who's a very accomplished artist and who's beautifully designed the logo for this uh, icon for this podcast. And her website is Beatrice. 
beatrizegarcia.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Please get in touch, rougejib at gmail.com if you want to let me know uh, what you thought of my podcast and uh, how I could improve. And please, please, please tune in because more podcasts are being dropped all the time.